temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, we are back, and we talked about this earlier. It's a real pleasure right now to welcome to the Sports Huddle the new University of Minnesota president, Joan Gable. I hope this is the first of many conversations. And uh, I think a lot of people wonder, and as they're getting to know you, you've been on the job for a month now, uh, what kind of a sports fan you are and any early impressions of the Gopher Sports Program. I, I know you, during the interview process, you were impressed with, especially with the women's program. Yes, uh, good morning, everyone. Well, um, I, I'm a big sports fan. It's been a big part of my life watching games with my parents. I did most of my childhood in Atlanta during a real run where the Braves were um, contenders just year after year in the South. College football is huge. But what a lot of people don't know is that when I was growing up in the South, hockey was huge too because the Atlanta Flames were in Atlanta at that time when I was living there as a child. So big sports fan, great first impressions of the program. I really think that they're getting it right. It's the only Power Five institution to record a winning record in every team sport last year and at the same time maintain a 3.29 GPA across the board, 373 student athletes that were academic all Big Ten this past school year, plus a bunch of service, all of our teams out in the community doing good work. So academic excellence, winning, and really serving the community. I think it's really hitting the sweet spot just right. Well, you've clearly done your homework, but I'm not sure if the preparation involved talking to Sid Hartman, as it certainly should. <laughs> uh, so we are going to bring Sid into the conversation right now, and he is about to become your new best friend as he has the last 16 presidents of the University of Minnesota. Sid? That's great. Now get your microphone in front of you. All right. You, here, uh, here you go. Have you met all the coaches? I have not met all of the coaches yet. I'm I'm working through the list, and then I'm going to do an all group meeting soon. So, do you have another okay. question? What about the facilities? Are you f- familiar with those? I've started touring the facilities one by one, and so I've seen uh, a good portion of the facilities. So I'm getting through them, and I'm enjoying every single visit. Uh, how about Mark Coyle? We had an opportunity to sit down with uh, Mark Coyle. And w- what is the reporting relationship? We've had a couple different uh, presidential AD reporting relationships over the last couple decades. So, uh, yes, I have sat down with Mark Coyle, and he reports to me. Hmm. And then, of course, through that relationship, reports to the board and in many ways reports to the entire fan base of Gopher Nation, <laughs> in a manner of speaking. And so he he and I have sat down both in the context of the reporting relationship in the formal sense, you know, as all of my direct reports to, but we've also been talking through um, the get to know you so that I understand the program well and all the opportunities that the program has. What is it you ask for from an athlete? This is Mike Max, by the way, and welcome to Minnesota. But what do you what do you ask for from an athletic director? What do you, what do you see from them? What do you expect from them? Well, I expect an athletic director to put our students first. And remember that in the student-athlete conversation, the student is the cornerstone of that relationship. I expect them to be highly competitive and want to win. And then I expect them to have the highest levels of integrity. 
Well, that's a, that's a pretty good uh, shopping list of things. Um, in terms of uh, a description of the athletic department, one thing that college athletics uses some variation of is that the athletic department is the front porch, front window to the university. Do, do you agree with that? I really do. Uh, the phrase that I sort of came up through the ranks with was front porch, so out. But I like them both: uh, front porch, front window, front door, front. It's out front, and there's really no question about the opportunity that that creates for the university as a whole. It's a very public glimpse into the university. It's a very accessible way for everyone to see who we are. Um, if they have a ticket in one of our at one of our games or through their TV on their radio, of course and really see how we can use that engagement with the fan base to make sure people know all of the other amazing things that the university is doing in addition to being really successful competitively. Some people want to set up paying athletes. What do you think of that? Well, I think that uh, we support athletes through the scholarship program. I think it's very important that student athletes are students first, and that they be eligible for all of the support that any other students would be. But I think that that's the framework in which we should be operating. Are Gopher fans likely to uh, run into you at sporting events? Because I understand historically the president has an opportunity to get some halfway decent tickets. You know, I think Gopher fans are going to get sick of me at sporting events. <laughs> probably the bigger problem. That's a, a real source of fun for me and my entire family. And, yes, they will see me there, and I, I hope we have a chance to say hello every time. I always find it interesting, though, when you come into a position of this magnitude, uh, you, you hear lots of different opinions. How do you decipher and decide who to listen to? Because a lot of it, you know, everybody's got ideas. Everybody's got thoughts. What's your process for trying to figure out who your network is? Well, the, we're always open to hearing everyone's opinions. We're a public institution. We serve the state, and everyone uh, should form an opinion. We hope that we have that level of engagement. We invite it. But sifting through them, as you described, is probably one of the earlier challenges when you say that someone who comes in new is sipping from a fire hose. That's certainly part of it. But what we're really working on, and we started to do this, this is really the relationship between the president and all of the vice presidents, including the athletic director, and the president and all the vice presidents and the board as the elected governing body of the university to set priorities so that as those opinions come in, we can align them against what it is we are doing well right now, what it is we hope to do better with in the future, and then act on the ones that make sense in order to get us there. You know, one thing that our listeners may not be aware of or haven't thought about is you not only are president of the University of Minnesota Gophers, you're president of the University of Minnesota System. So when you talk about uh, Minnesota athletics. Um, yeah, you got a national yeah, championship you, hockey team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you've got uh, Duluth. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, you know, the job's a little bit bigger than people think. And you got to be a little careful. I know one president in the past and going up to Duluth said, well, you got us this time, but we'll get you next time. And the Duluth resident said, well, the last time we looked, your job description said you're president of the entire system. Yes, uh, one needs to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're obviously well aware of that. You know, one uh, one you talked about asking about network, and one nice thing about it, now you've met Sid Hartman officially, he not only will ask you how it's going, he will tell you how to do your job, which is a lot more than a lot, of, than, yeah. than a lot of sports people will do. And he's already got another question, Sid. Excellent. Yeah. Why don't you realize uh, how much competition there is with Minnesota? And uh, Iowa and Wisconsin. Yes. 
Uh, well, I like rivals. I think uh, rivalry and and having border wars um, in the friendliest sense of that term is fun. And I think it makes us better to have really solid competition right next door. Are you, uh, do you bring with you any ideas? Uh, obviously, everyone's, you know, worrying about attendance, diminished attendance. And then the longer term worry a couple of years out is the cable cutting and what's going to happen to some of those really rich television contracts. Are those, uh, but you're not new to college athletics. You may be new here, but are these familiar topics to you? They are. Um, over most people here wouldn't know, but over the course of my career, I've worked at, at institutions affiliated with four of the five Power Five conferences. So uh, there's, there's, uh, there's some familiarity. Of course, I defer to the expertise of the athletic director, and we work together on these conversations. I know they're working really hard on attendance, which is a nationwide concern. It's not unique to us. They're making steps to address this, introducing new mobile-only tickets so that fans can attend games for less than $200. It's a pretty good deal. Lower season ticket pricing for men's basketball and men's hockey. And really looking to our fans to help us figure out how to do it right. Mark Coyle implemented a fan advisory board right when he uh, got here to get really valuable feedback right from the people who would be most affected by any decisions that we make. So we're really hoping that will yield better attendance. That's an ongoing conversation. Of course, the contracts um, with different kinds of uh, uh, the different ways in which sports are, are aired and different ways in which people engage either on their TV, their radio or otherwise that's, of course, also a national conversation. And every time those contracts are renegotiated, it is a very interesting time. But one of the wonderful things about being in a conference like the Big Ten for the Twin Cities campus in particular, and, and really affecting statewide and the conference that our other system campuses are affiliated with, is that it's a collective conversation across all the institutions and our commissioner. And so it really we are able to leverage a best practice mentality every time we do that. Well, President Joan Gable, we appreciate so much you're joining us. And one thing you will learn is when you work with a 99-year-old, he gets to ask the last question. Sydney? Excellent. Bring it. <laughs> I've had very good relationship with Eric <laughs> Taylor <laughs> and all the presidents. And I'm going to call you to do a, a little interview with you. Thank you. It would be my pleasure. Thank you very much. I thought much. we just did, but yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. We look forward to frequent conversations. Thanks, President. Okay. Thank you all. Take care. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here and come back and talk to uh, Ryan Saunders right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right. We are back, and we will... Uh, Turn the conversation to professional basketball because Ryan Saunders of the Minnesota Timberwolves joins us right now. And uh, Sid, I, you look like you've got the first question already for Coach Saunders. <laughs> I think that Wiggins is your whole. What well, how you do will depend on Wiggins. If Wiggins has a great great year, I think you'll have a good year, a decent year. If Wiggins don't really perform. What do you think about Wiggins? Yeah, I mean, it's it's well documented. First off, you know, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, and hello. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hello. Now uh, give us know, the Wiggins stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right to it, right? Yeah, um, exactly. You know, it's it's well documented, you know, how how I, I feel about Andrew. And I, I, you know, I truly believe he's going to have a breakout year. I think there, there's a number of things that, He's doing this summer, and then you know we're doing as well, trying to trend him, trend him toward towards efficiency. 
too. Um, we spent a lot of time, you know, talking about shot values, um, you know, things like that. What's a good shot? Uh, you know, things that analytically are, are, you know, not just recommendations anymore, suggestions in the NBA. Those are, those are the ways that, that these, these teams that are, you know, making deep playoff runs the way they've been building through, through, uh, through their whole process processes. But in, in regards to Andrew, um, you know, he, he is going to be a big part of everybody's a big part, but he is going to be a big part of, of our success. Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we feel if he has a, a, a solid year and he's, he's moving forward to where we, we want him to be, um, that, that we can, uh, we can fast track this thing a little bit. You know, I, he's working on Russell Westbrook's trainer and, and Russell Westbrook a little bit in California. Uh, do you put a lot of, uh, do you think that there's a lot of rub off when, when the right player is around the right player or, or is, is the person, whoever he is, and you can't change him much by the time they get to their twenties? Yeah. Yes. And no, I mean, it's, you know, I think that's, that's something that, um, that can be, can be, I guess, overrated in, in, you know, pro sports, uh, you know, when you're one guy, just because you're working out with somebody that doesn't mean that you're just going to become a player like that, you know, with that, like that player, um, specific guy, you know, mindset wise, uh, whatever it is. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, we're asking our guys to be the best versions of themselves. We obviously there's, there's certain players that we'd like everybody to take things from. I think everybody around the league would say that, but we know we want we want these guys to be the best versions of themselves, and with that, you know there are some things that you need to adjust. Ryan, you got six or seven new guys on the roster. When you go to sleep at night and dream about the upcoming season, which ones you get excited about? And obviously the high profile ones. But then maybe give us one name that might surprise people that you picked up, and people may not be aware of some of the talents that this person brings. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I have a seven week old baby, so I'm not sleeping a whole lot. But, uh, we should rephrase that question. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's usually late night, late night. You know, where we're we're uh, working on, on something um, when when he's around. But uh, but the you know, I think I, I am excited. I am excited about about this group uh, for a number of reasons. And uh, you know, the fact that everybody that we have, you know, including coaches, front office, you know, we're players. Um, we're all very hungry. We're, we're hungry. We're we're all on, on a similar timeline. Um, you know, we're all we're all really trying to get you know this thing moving in the right direction by bringing you know a different skill set, and I think you see that with our, our new free agents. Um, then a name a name that I I've always really liked is is Shabazz Napier, um, and I, I know he's he's someone that people don't talk a whole lot about, but uh, there's something about him that I, I just like his will to win, and you know I like that at the college level from him, and I've seen him you know do that. Um, you know, in a draft workout, do that, you know, obviously in Portland, Brooklyn, where he can play on the ball or off the ball. Uh, I, I think that's, that can that can play to uh, to our team strengths. How about that guy from Philadelphia that was hurt all year? Well, what's his status? And yep. could he help you a lot? Yes, sir? Yeah, yeah. Robert is going to be a big part of what we do. Uh, you know, he's he probably, uh, you know, he, he's our best three-point shooter, I'd say. Uh, he, you know, we missed him, you know, for those, those last, I believe, 42 games, we, we really missed him. Um, and you know, for that reason, uh, we feel we can play different ways. Uh, he has the ability to guard, um, he has a defensive component to him that really kind of defines what he has become in the NBA and all the, all NBA defensive player. Um, that's something that you don't always find. 
and who can guard multiple positions. So he plays into how we want to play with things. Uh, I actually got back from Chicago yesterday, um, spent some time uh, at his uh, basketball camp um, out at Proviso West, which is was, a, was an unbelievable thing to see what he's doing in that community too. So um, he's in a good place. You know, you introduced five guys the other day on stage, and then you go, okay, well, they were not the five projected starters. They'll vie for it. Then you got your draft picks. And you're going, okay, I can see the 15, but I don't see the rotation. How deep is this rotation going to be? How do, how do you see training camp playing out? Do you see a lot of spots up for grabs? What do you see? I do. I do. And that's – I. nobody has been promised promised minutes. Uh, you know, I believe minutes are earned. And in, in training camp, uh, we're going to have a competitive training camp. Um, and that's something that when talking to all these guys free agency-wise, um, in, in the conversations, whether it be in person or on the phone, um, or even after after trades, I you know never said, hey, you're going to be playing this amount, this amount, and that amount. Um, what uh, I, I, I wanted to make sure they knew they'd have an opportunity to opportunity to compete for a spot um, in the rotation. So we we can go as deep as uh, as deep as everybody will will allow us to go. And I hope to have a lot of hard decisions to make because that means that guys are playing at a high level. Ryan, you had a good number one draft choice last year. We got teased and saw quite a bit. What what more are you expecting to see? What further development out of Josh this year? You know, Josh is the things that Josh does are are things that that aren't aren't teachable things in in a lot of ways. And and I say that in the sense where, you know, the fact that he's a guy that he has it in him that it's he can go. You know, his nickname is nonstop. I mean, he really does go nonstop as long as. As, as long as he's out there, he's going to play as hard as he can. Um, you know, it's, it's the little things that, that we've been trying to work with him more on. Um, Summer League so, showed some good improvement. We still want him to continue to improve uh, with his decision-making in the open court, um, playing under control, um, playing off two feet at times. Uh, but we saw a lot of great decisions. I mean, I, uh, you know, one of the Summer League games, um, if, you know, people, you know, recall, he had a – it was a last-second uh, – play i believe it was it was against um i believe it was against brooklyn where he made a great read off off of a pick and roll um or miami uh, off a of pick and roll and he hit nas reed and nas reed was able to you know provide the go-ahead basket and those are things that get get me excited just little things like that especially in the summertime have you really worked out Culver? uh yeah we we've we've worked out uh you know in in vegas um, we had a number of our roster guys down there, uh, and then Andrew, Carl, and um, and Jarrett were um, able to work out together. So we were able to put some actions in with with three players um, and really see you know see what what how Jarrett fits into that uh, and let those guys kind of build a relationship as well. Okay, um, Ryan, a pleasure to have you on the air, and for being on the air, we'll get your murder certificate. I'm going to come over and see you next next week. Okay, you've been warned, so be, Ryan. You've been warned. That, 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 that'd be great. That'd be great, Sid. I'll I'll, I'll let everybody know. Yeah, please, yeah, please, please do. <laughs> yeah, Ryan, get get some sleep. All right, Thanks, Ryan. Good, Thank you. All Thanks, right, guys. that's Ryan Sanders. We'll be back with more. Let me just tell you what's coming up. Terry Steinbach will be coming up at about ten thirty. After Terry Steinbach, we're going to take your phone calls. You can start calling in anytime you want. We'll keep you on hold for a little while there. I'm just giving you a heads up. The number is when it's appropriate: six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. You're listening to Sports Auto with Sid, Dave, and Mike. 
right, gentlemen, we're back for a little quick segment here to make room for Terry Steinbach and the phone calls. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about uh, Cleveland's performance and the tough August that they've got. Well, it got made a little bit easier 10 minutes ago. The Yanks put Sabathia on the IR, on the 10-day oh, IR. So what happens, Cleveland's got the Yankees coming up, and they're probably going to miss one of their better pitchers. And, and, and we talked about that, and, and Sabathia struggled against the Twins. You could see he, he was throwing a lot of backdoor trying to yeah. hit the corner, and I know he's reinvented himself, but that ain't the CC that you remember back in the day. Uh, the Yankees are, have got to get real serious about picking up some pitching right now. Nine runs yesterday to uh, Boston. What was it, 17 the day before, whatever it was. If you're the Yankees, said you got to make a deal for pitching. Well, you, you can bet they'll make a deal or, or two. Mr. Cashman will have a pitcher on hand on uh, Tuesday. You know, but so let me, I don't mean to interrupt, but one of the really interesting things, I was listening to what Thad Levine said, and in response to your question, Mike, he talked about the interdivision trades, and some of yep. the pitchers who are really attractive are in their division. And, and in their city with the Mets being vulnerable. And in their city. So it's, you know, it's an interesting dynamic to watch as we get closer and closer to the trading deadline. Because they used to say that Steinbrenner used to, he didn't want anybody going to the Mets, and he relished when he brought Strawberry over, yep. who I talked to earlier this week, he was in town for the Saints uh, All-Star game, that was fun. Uh, he relished that kind of a thing, but that Mets-Yankee thing is kind of sensitive. Yeah, man, and even the Blue Jays in the same division. Yep. Okay, so we're going to take a break here, come back if things work. Terry Steinbach will be with us when we resume. Sports Huddle, Sid, David, Mike. Welcome back to Sports Huddle. Mike Max, Dave Moore, Sid Hartman talking baseball and trade deadline and everything else. Terry Steinbach lives through it. He's been a world champion and much more, and uh, Terry, we were just talking earlier. One of the guys, and, and you've been watching the Twins closely this year, that you worked with and, and saw in spring training for, and saw throughout his, you know, his career with the Twins was Aaron Hicks. And, of course, he had the monster series, I guess, a lot of guys did against the Twins the other day. But w- what did you see from him when he was uh, – could you tell? Was he a tough one to project when you had him with the Twins? He was extremely frustrating to uh, hmm. predict, Maxie. I mean – um, if, if you, if you scored him out, you know, great speed, great arm, great bat, switch hitter, base dealer. I mean, everything should have been great. And unfortunately, um, his time with the twins, it, 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 it just wasn't there. And there was many approaches, you know, that we took with him, um, you know, send him down. And at one time he was thinking about just maybe, uh, uh, hitting from the left side and, and stuff like that. But I think he's your classic guy that, you know, sometimes, uh, a change is better. I, I, I mean, my theory on Hicksy is that you know he was the guy, you know, in Minnesota for years. We 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 talked about wait till Hicks gets here, wait till Hicks gets here, wait till Hicks gets here, and he kind of gets here. I think there was a ton of pressure on him, and then when he goes to New York, I mean, that's full of all stars, that's full of superstars, and I actually think sure. that you know they, they they started batting him ninth, and and you know he felt comfortable, and he felt, in my opinion, you know that the pressure is off of him, and I think finally the the talent that the Twins saw when they drafted him finally got a chance to come out. What do you think is Twin catchers? <laughs> Sid, I'm I'm in awe of the Twins catchers. I mean, uh, you know, coming into this year, I mean, I, I thought they'd be, they'd be okay, but holy cow, the way Garber's swinging the bat and Castro as well. I, I mean, um, it's a it's a bonus anytime you can get your catching core to have the offensive numbers that they do and. It goes without saying the 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 work that Garber has done in, in in his receiving and his framing and all that, and I think the work that he done has done this off season, you know, is obviously showing and paying off for him right now. 
Hey, Terry, uh, when you look at the construction of the lineups, uh, you uh, came up in a what I would call a classic period of uh, baseball when a leadoff hitter was a leadoff hitter. Right now, a leadoff hitter is Garver, who's going to finish here with about 30 home runs. Uh, just, I mean, the construction of the lineup you put on the field and what you look like at 7th, 8th, and ninth. I can't imagine a bigger change. <laughs> it's completely different. I mean, uh, we got a 30th uh, reunion coming up uh, in Oakland in a month, and I know that's going to be the conversation amongst us, us old guys. You know, like, holy cow, look at how the game has changed that way. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously working. I mean, there's, there's very, very smart people in the Twins organization, and they're doing this stuff for a reason. And anytime I look at the record that the Twins have, when I look at the offensive production from RBIs to home runs, um, something that they're doing is working. And, you know, anytime it's working, you sit back and, and you ride this thing out and let it go. And, and to be quite honest with you, you sit back and learn from it because it's, it's definitely uh, uh, something different than, than the era that I played in. Terry, when you get in a series like the Twins and the Yankees, which was, I mean, it was, it was electrifying. It was, you know, it was everything. But if you're catching in a series like that, nobody wants to throw the ball over the plate because everybody's hitting the ball out of the park. How does that change your mindset? Do you got to try to go for a strikeout because you don't dare? Do you try to, you know, living on the corners doesn't seem to work that well either. It really gets down. That's the fun part, Maxie. And what we saw there is is kind of what uh, maybe a preview of what postseason ball is about. I mean, you just never know who's going to win. You never know who's out of it. But getting back to the catching aspect of it, that's where your meetings come into play. That's where you sit and discuss pregame. Um, which player can't beat us? How are we going to pitch this guy? If we're going to make a mistake, where should we make a mistake? And sometimes as a catcher, when I heard those meetings, you know, going against powerhouse offenses, what you try to do is simplify it for the pitcher. You know, basically just say, hey, you know, if you if you execute up and in, down and away, we're going to be fine. Don't worry about the guy. Hey, this guy, if you get your breaking ball over, you know, in, in, in that four spot down and away, we're fine. But just try to stay away from mistakes. And, you want to simplify it. You want to take the pressure off the pitcher and, you know, just go out there and pitch your game. I, I can remember Dave Stewart, you know, pitching against uh, Boston. And there was that one time he was 13-0 against Roger Clemens. And people were asking, well, Stu, how do you beat Clemens all the time? How do you do that? How do you do that? And Stu says, well, I don't pitch against Clemens. Hmm. I, pitch, I pitch against the nine guys in the order. I don't care who's pitching. And by doing that, you know, it took the pressure off. So Stu wasn't going against Clemens, and, you know, there wasn't the big hype. Stu was trying to get the first hitter off, the second hitter, the third hitter. And before long, he's, he's 13-0 against, you know, one of the best pitchers in the game. You think that small-time baseball is as big as ever? <laughs> oh, now you're talking our game, Terry. Yeah, I know, boy. He opened up that can. Of yeah. Of <laughs> that was awesome, Sid. Uh, I know um, you uh, a life. I know you got to see a lot of it, way more than than Max and I have. But it is strong. It is fun. I think the 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 segment that Jefferson did on, on on small town ball is fantastic. If you go throughout the state and talk to people about um, town team ball, they know exactly what you're talking about. And if you go out of state, you know, even just as short as Iowa, and say, yeah, we got town team ball, and they're going, what's that? Mm-hmm. But the thing, the, the thing that I'm excited about town team ball, it gives these people it gives these communities an opportunity to play and you go to these small towns and you see the involvement you know from everybody from the kids working the scoreboard you know with the old-fashioned hanging the numbers up hanging the balls and strikes up you know the actual little plates you know it's not not electronic they're involved you got the concession people and 
and you got people that, that, that come to the game and for the next week, you know, they're talking about which guy hit the home run. Oh, I couldn't believe they had that air. And what about that great pitching performance? So, yeah, I think it's real strong. And I'm very proud that I played it and, and, and excited to be part of that. You know, Terry, I was coming back from Winona when you were going to the Lake Series on Channel 4 on Thursday and Friday. And I'll be darned if I didn't time it. And I looked, and there's the lights on in Meesville. So I stopped in. They happened to be playing that night against Rosetown. God darn it! They got it figured out. They play Friday night home games. They get a nice crowd. The 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 kids that are uh, fielding foul balls, where you get paid for to bring it back, are sitting in the cemetery out there waiting for foul balls. I, I mean, it was a it was a trip. And before I knew it, they had sold me a twenty five dollar raffle ticket to buy new lights. I mean, it, it was everything that you wanted with the hamburgers going. <laughs> that's that, that's how I remember, Max. Yep, <laughs> dad, taking us to the hospital. Watching the game there, and you know, we we as kids, we sat and waited for the foul ball, and I mean, yeah. like a bunch of ants on an anthill, we're sprinting into the field to, to find that <laughs> yeah. ball to get that quarter or or, yeah. or you know sucker that they gave you for bringing the ball back. Yeah, it actually gives a new meaning to dead center. It does give me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, Terry, uh, every time we talk to you, there's always one question about umpires. The Twins had a home game recently decided on a pitch yeah. that, that, that looked to all of us like like a strike. It was a tough call, but it looked like a strike. Do umpires ever apologize to catchers either an inning later or the next day they got to look at something? Is there Does that dialogue ever happen? Yes. To answer the question, yes, it does. Now, does it happen with every umpire? No. But in, in my career being behind the plate, you, you get a rapport with the umpires, and you get a good rapport with the umpires who know that you're trying your best back there, meaning me. You know, I'm trying to frame pitches, not drop pitches. I'm trying to block pitches, not trying that to, to have the umpire get hit. But I also know that the umpire's trying back there, too. And if you can develop that relationship, um, a lot of umpires will go, hey, Shiny, what do you think? Ah, you know, I think you missed that one. You know, mm-hmm. now, if, if I get the reputation of showing umpires up, you know, it obviously was a crucial, you know, part of the game. But, if, you know, if I were to, you know, consistently throw the mask on, turn around, get in an argument with the umpire, well, then that gets around the league as well. And then I lose my respect towards the umpire. So, yeah, no umpire wants to, you know, make a mistake. I think, uh, uh, who was the umpire who missed the perfect game, actually? Um, oh, you know, gosh. And, and he said he missed it, yeah. Uh, Jim Joyce. And Jim, Jim Joyce yep. is a, oh, he's a fantastic guy. And I and I was out of the game, and I felt so bad. I mean, if there's anybody who didn't want to make that mistake, you know, it, it would have been him. So, yeah, they, they, they do communicate with you and, and everything. And I'm going to play devil's advocate here. You know, the Twins had an 8-2 to two lead, you know, in that game. Right. Yes, it came down to one pitch that, that, you know, if they call it a strike, you know, the Twins end up w- with the win. But there was a few runs in between there that maybe the Twins could have done something about and, you know, maybe one by one run or two runs or not to have gotten to that particular situation. So, yeah, we all focused on the, the pitch that, that, that was missed. But I bet if you ask the Twins players, too, you know, from the eighth inning on with an 8-2 to two lead, um, there's probably a few other situations in the game that they could have done better that wouldn't have let the Yankees get that close. Yep, good observation. Sid, any last thoughts? You uh, been in baseball a long time. How about the slump the Twins are in? You think they can snap out of it? Yeah, I mean, people can call it a slump, Sid, and, and, and you're right because we're all going to focus on the 13-game lead that they have, and now it's down to one. But look at the stretch that the Twins just went through, you know, the teams that they played. And I thought they battled the A's real good. I thought they battled the Yankees real good. Yeah, would I, would I like to see more wins? Absolutely. But um, they played two of the better teams in, in, in the game right now. Um, Cleveland, 
on the on on the flip side, they had uh, what do you want to say? Some weaker teams that they're playing, and they had to do what they have to do. Meaning, they, they got to beat the weaker teams to try to catch the Twins. So, ultimately, what we're talking about here is that if the Twins, you know, get through the dog days of August and 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 they get into September with a chance to win their division, I'm going to be extremely excited because they still have ten games with Cleveland. Um, you know, so so the ball's in their court, and the way the Twins have played Cleveland so far, you know, it's looking pretty positive. So you have to grind through it. I mean, the, the, the years that we played, we had Eckersley go down for a while. We'd have Ricky go down for a while. Dave Anderson, you know, that's part of the game. Get, get guys are going to get hurt. And the Twins have experienced that. And I think we're going to see signs, hopefully see signs of them rebounding, develop that, uh, developing that consistency that we saw, you know, the, the first half of the season. And again, you, you see the front office starting to make some moves that can maybe give this, this young group of of players, you know, that shot in the arm, that, that'll catapult to the playoffs. Should. Terry, hold on. We need your address. want to send you a Murray's. I know your wife used to love it when I gave her Murray's all the time. Still does. So we'll get yep. your Murray. Terry Steinbeck, always a pleasure. I consider you a good friend, and we had a lot of good time together. Thanks a lot, Sid. I consider you a great friend as well. And Dave and Maxie, it's always great talking to you guys. You too. Thanks, Terry. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, stick on the phone. We'll get that address. Back with more right after this. In fact, we're going to start taking these phone calls. Uh, Jerry and Ken, you've been on hold a long time. That that works for us. You'll be our first two callers. That means there are more lines open, however. Give us a call now, 651-989-9226. We'll take time to get uh, Terry Steinbeck's phone number, then we'll get to those phone calls right during this break. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. We are back. You've done a good job. There's one local line open. That number is 651-989-9226. Guys, if you're both okay, let's go to some people who've been on hold for quite a while. We'll start with you, Jerry in Odessa. Hey, Jerry, what's on your mind? Okay. I said, and uh, Dave, and said you were a legend, and so was Mike Mack. He's a pride of Gaylord. So I agree with uh, Bud, man. Everything has got so much better in professional sports, except the officiating. Yesterday was a perfect example. When the announcer said, this crew has got to go. I mean, they're just, it's not a good crew. So I just was going to hang up and listen and see if, I know they're union, but we got to get this done right. So I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, guys. Was that a Twins game? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure there's yeah. a question uh, in that. You know, the fish, the quality of officiating is, uh, you know, not terribly consistent, but I think some of the changes that baseball has made, yeah. you know, if you don't like it, review it. You can just, we're not yeah, doing balls it's... and strikes, but, boy, I tell you, how often they're right around, in close plays around the bases and you see the review and, you know, they were right. Those plays at first base that you think you saw one way and they got it right, it just it amazes me. And all the cameras they've got on them. So yep. was the ball embedded in the back of the glove? <laughs> yeah, and, wow. Was he close to the glove, <laughs> it's a yeah. different game. All right, let's go uh, next to uh, Ken in Blaine. Morning, Ken. How are you doing? What's on your mind? Uh, good morning. Um, I have a question on the uh, – I was reading about this gopher pass for football games. It appears that you sign up for four um, months and the totals are like $200 and then you can – buy a game ticket for $28. It seems like these uh, these programs that the U is putting out for athletics, it's, I would think, uh, decreasing the season ticket base because people are going to say, well, you know, this is less expensive than I'm paying for season tickets. You know, I can get the, basically the same thing. 
Well, Dave, you're a season ticket holder. Yeah, I, I'm a season ticket holder. I, I take Ken, that is the absolute perplexing question uh, in marketing departments. Where is the line? Basically, what they try to do with the package tickets are create tickets that, that don't have as much appeal. Your season ticket holders, and I've told the story on the radio before, we went uh, on the bus to uh, Madison last year with some great Gopher fans, all of them season ticket holders. So there's a lot of time on a bus ride to Madison. And we asked this very question of people, and almost unanimously, they said they were in favor of some kind of packages. They would rather see people in there, even if they were at lesser seats, than see the seats Make it a big go event. empty. And, and, and it, was, it wasn't... A close margin. It was almost everybody there felt that way. And I thought, boy, marketing department should have been part of that conversation because you wonder when you make that move, Ken, you're absolutely right. You don't want to do anything to jeopardize your season ticket base, but empty seats are the, the, you know, the anathema of marketing departments and athletic departments. Let's try to get one more in before our last break. Let's go to John and Crystal. Go ahead, John. Yeah, hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're loud yeah. and clear. I wanted to say first of all, I was glad that Terry, you and Maxie and, and Dave, you guys touched on Town Ball in Minnesota. I've been watching some of the documentary shows on Fox Sports North about the Town Ball series. It's great. Just had a couple quick questions about things outside of Major League Baseball, but baseball in the Midwest. Any update on the Hudson team going into uh, the Northwoods League for next year, Maxie or, or Dave? Love to see that. I've gone to 10 of the parks all over the upper Midwest. And then I just had a question about, I was at the American Association All-Star Game on Tuesday, and I talked to, I don't know, five or six scouts that I know that scout independently, including Rick Schrader of the Texas Rangers. And uh, there was a lot of interest in, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Chris Colabello signed with the Kansas City T-Bones, and they've got Daniel Nava. A league really has some quality players still in it that the Saints are in. Just yeah, I think the Saints, have had, Saints have had three players, I think, I talking to their uh, coaches the other night, I was over there, and uh, they've had three players sign. Uh, and Max Murphy was just hitting yeah, best they, in the league. They, they couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah he was so good. So uh, it, they had a fun game the other night. They had softball with Kyle Rudolph and Adam Thielen and, and those guys. It was a lot of fun over there. Uh, but there's so many great baseball players out there. The line gets so fine to get into. Uh, I watched his short set from Meesville the other night. I go, whoa, who's going to sign him? Uh, there's so many really good players, and it's such a fine line once you get to. But what that exposes you to the Saints and 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 the uh, Northwoods League, and I assume they'll go into Hudson. And it'll be the closest one proximity wise. Is how many good players there are out there? Yeah, no, no doubt about that. All right, we're going to take our final break here. Uh, you've done a good job. You filled two of the lines, but that leaves two more open. If during the break you want to call us, go ahead and do it. It'll be fun. We enjoy your phone call six five one. Nine eight nine nine two two six, and we will be back right after this sports huddle. Sid, Dave, and Mike. And now the end is near, and so I face. All right, the end is near. We're facing that final curtain. You've done a good job. You filled the phone lines. We like it when you do that. Conrad, St. Louis Park. You were first. What's on your mind? Hi, guys. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we're mm-hmm. here just fine. Thanks. Good deal. I have a question about Zach Grinke. I, uh, I was a long-time season ticket holder, and I was there the day that uh, Carl Polat sat next to the governor and signed the deal to get the $250 million from the state for the ballpark. Lots of promises were made. A lot of statements have been so- made to sell the ballpark as the great equalizer. Well, I say it's time to pay up. Can't we go out and buy... Zach Rinky is he an option? He's with Arizona. 
where are they at in the standings? What's their situation? Why wouldn't they be approachable for a, for a front-line starter like him? To me, he's the best guy out there. Mike, you want to go first on Drinking? I think that if – the money's not going to be the issue. I haven't, heard one, I haven't heard one thing that says we're looking at trades based on what their contracts are. And Arizona's rumored to be willing to pick up a yeah. large portion of that huge contract that he's got. And I haven't studied him that close to see how he's pitched lately, but obviously he's got a track record. But if they want Granke and, and they're willing to pay the price, it's not going to be because his contract's too big. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure Grinky is at the top of the list of people I don't looking think he is. at. So I think it's an interesting uh, question, one to keep an eye on. But uh, with I think they can negotiate a deal where they would be liable for a relatively minor part of a huge contract. In the past, Grinky was thought to be immovable because of the size of that contract. Yep. Maybe not now, as the, as we get toward Wednesday. All right, good, good question. Let's go next. Uh, our next three callers are in Fargo, so let's see how many we can get to. John in Fargo, go ahead. All the changes in baseball, any talk about the National League going to the designated hitter? Boy, I've heard nothing. Uh, and they get a piece of that with the interleague play. Right. Now. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a hot topic anymore. I think there are other topics that are more pressing than that. We'll try to move through these quickly a minute to go. David and Fargo. Go ahead, David. Good morning, guys. Um, called a couple of weeks ago and wanted to know if you could give me some information on why the lights are on during all the day games. Yeah, uh, I remember the call. I don't remember. I, I think they based it on the conditions of the day. Are they on every game? I don't even know if they're on every game. Every, every game. Every game. I, I don't I've know. seen some games where they're off, but the best But answer, they want to keep those shadows out of there, that's too. That's the yeah. best answer I have. Yeah, to you. fill in the shadows. We're going with Maxie's uh, answers, as good a guess as are any of us. Uh, all right, last caller, Scott and Fargo. Thanks for the Fargo uh, triumvirate here. Go ahead, Scott. Hey, guys, I'll make it quick. Uh, I need your opinion. What do you think of uh, the Twins signing Romo yesterday? And what do you think? What do, what do you think will be the next move, next move? If so, the Twins will make in trade talks. Thanks. Have a great day. Well, I like the Romo deal because they gave up very little. They got uh, Diaz, yeah. who's having a great year in the minor leagues. wasn't going to make the forty man. Was one of those guys they needed to make a decision on. They actually got a second pitcher and a player to be named later. That was a pretty good deal, but that's not a make or break, as you said, Mike. That's the Parker replacement. I think they get. I think they'll make another trade for a relief pitcher next. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think you know, we could see it very shortly. We're out of time. I want to thank great phone calls today. I want to thank our guests, Lester Bagley, Chad Beebe, Miguel Sano, Thad Levine, PJ Fleck, Riley Reeve, Joan Gable, Ryan Saunders, and Terry Steinbach. Thanks for listening to it again next week. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.